Uh, but why don't we begin? Why don't we just begin? I know it's getting late. Let's begin. Let us pray. Our dear Father, we thank you for this day, O Lord, uh, for this time. Bless us, O Lord, by your word. And may this word of truth continue to be our guide in the midst of, in the midst of all that this world uh, continues uh, to teach us. Bless us in wisdom. Bless us in faith. And Lord, lead us in Christ alone. Lord, for all these things, we're thankful. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, I love preaching that Romans 5 text. Kind of pl- pretty clear cut with what St. Paul was saying, and uh, what a gift of this gospel is. And today with St. Paul's writing in Galatians, same thing. You know, we, we see here, we're on Galatians 2, verse 6. And uh, we see right here in Galatians 2. Uh, hey, can, I, can I start with a question real quick? In, in your service, oh we, say, we sang uh, hymn 565, and at the very end of every line was, uh, Lord, shall I flee? I don't understand. Um, the question is, did I skip a line? This No, sir. Uh, we sang hymn 565. And at the end of every line, it said, Lord, shall I flee? Yeah. I don't understand what that means. I think uh, uh, when we speak of, you know, when we say, to whom save thee, who canst alone for sin alone, Lord, shall I flee? And I think when we look at the whole title, thy works, not mine, O Christ. Christ, right. I think that's kind of the key there. Uh, what does it mean, Lord? Shall I flee? Yeah, let me let me get back to you on that. I'll read it okay. more. Cool, thanks. But I think uh, from the gut, I think it's more of, uh, you know, there is nothing apart from Christ. There is nowhere to flee. I think that is something oh, that uh, that is you very. Might have it right there. So I think you're right. My thank you. I gotta read. Let me read that a little more. I should know that, by the way. I should know that. But uh, I'm turning 40 this month, so um, or next month. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, right. uh, I'm the youngest out of my my brothers, but uh, I'm the youngest one out of my family it, now. So it's no different than 39. You're just going to be a little bit smarter. So a that's little a- bit. Uh, a little bit thinner up top, too. So no, I think you're okay up there. You're okay up top. Oh, come on. Who needs it? I know what you're saying, Sheldon. I do. <laughs> it's just excess weight, right, Sheldon? Yeah. Just excess weight. If you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's, let's get down to business here. Uh, verse 6. Uh, okay. So in context, Galatians 2, uh, we know that uh, St. Paul is, again, verse 5, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. All right? Uh, and again, you know, when we talk about yielding in submission, like you yield on the street when that sign comes, right? Yield, you, you wait. But when it comes to the gospel, St. Paul there's no wiggle room when it comes to the word of God and the true gospel, right? There's no, there's no uh, concessions to be made. Oh, Don, let there be light. Don, right. Don, you've got, it's really you. I don't see him. You don't, I, you don't, don't see me right there? Try it again. Everybody else sees me. Yeah, I can, I can hear you just fine too, Don. Oh, my God. oh there you are. Nice shirt. <laughs> my 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 illumination is a bit funky. Uh, I'm really not this red. <laughs> we know. Yeah. Well, that's uh-huh. the lighting. That's okay. Yeah, we can see you real lighting. well, so that's yeah. good. Okay. All right. Oh, so okay. Oh, Don's here now. What do I do? I mean, he was always here. Just now, I see his face. I don't know what to do now. How to react? But uh, to yield in submission, even for a moment. So that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Again, uh, this is a matter of slavery and freedom. That's what St. Paul sees in here in verse 4 as well. 
right? This is a matter of slavery or freedom. So there's no making compromises here because uh, when there's compromise, there will be inevitable slavery that they are bound by the law and they're stuck back into the works of the law, believing that they could save themselves by these works. Now, verse six, if someone could read that for me, verse six. I got it. As for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message, period. Okay. So uh, what do we see there? Those that are influential or those that are important, right? Again, these, these go back to the, the, the leaders, uh, the Judaizers, uh, the ones who what? Preached, you have to do works and be circumcised to be saved. That's what they preached. St. Paul uh, taught them differently. He taught them the true gospel. These Judaizers come in teaching them false gospel or false word. And they're like in one, chapter 1, verse 4 uh, or verse 6, uh, they quickly desert him, right? They quickly desert Paul and the true gospel. And now they're swaying towards these um, influential people. Now, again, I think it's very important when we talk about the influence. Now, why... Uh, it says, and from those who seem to be influential, when we speak of influence, now, we talked about this at great length in the morning, in our morning class, but why is it important to, uh, to always be on guard for what we listen to? Why is it important to be on guard for what we listen to? Um, I know that's broad, but... It doesn't matter what their reputation is or their standing in the community. If they say something that's contrary to the word, then you shouldn't be listening to it. You know, it, it, it doesn't make them right. Just because they have status, it doesn't make them right. Um, yeah, very great point, right? Because in this society, I know we'll use Ryan as our example here. Uh, you know, Dave said we've got to, like, learn from the young people, right? So I'm, like, middle young. You know, I'm, like, middle young, and then there's Ryan. Literally, his last name is young. But uh, uh, <laughs> when, you, when you turn 40, you can't say that anymore, Pastor. So, so <laughs> no. you, you, better, you better get rid of that one really quick. I see a couple white hairs coming in. Uh, there's a couple. I've been counting. But, uh, um, but, yeah, I mean, in this day and age, I think Ryan can attest to, like, this whole reality of, of influencers that are constantly trying to sway everyone to what to think and what to believe. I, I don't know, Ryan, does that resonate with you a little bit? Uh, yeah, for sure. You see it. I'd say it's like a big social media thing now. Like anyone that says anything, um, I mean, it's kind of like a false prophet or an idol in that sense where people kind of do and follow as someone says because they have a high importance in like society so like celebrities athletes different things like that yeah yeah wow that's it's eloquent right Very good. <laughs> i don't know why i'm laughing but uh but yeah i mean i think it's it's true i mean we live in a world that is what that that is influenced by many things and i know this isn't truly connected to the bone here with uh, with the galatians but they too were influenced by the leaders of uh, of the society and i think in this world as we face it i think we always have to ask ourselves how does this how does this uh does is this what the word of god says uh you know, we see it in many influential people, like celebrities, you know, they kind of use a verse of God, you know, verse from the Bible, but then they totally just hammer it, you know, just kind of out of context. And it just, it's like, you know, it's very, to me, when I hear these things and they, they're saying it to so many people that follow them on Twitter, I don't do Twitter, but it sounds cool, but Twitter and all these things, it's like, what are they telling people? And are, are people actually believing what they're saying when they're taken out of context, the Bible, right? And again, it, it goes back to our biblical illiteracy in our society, even amongst Christians, uh, reading the Bible has become, even amongst Christians, a very 
lost to practice, right? People don't read the Bible anymore. So that that influence is very, can be very dangerous if uh, we are not well-versed with what our faith is. And right here in the book of Galatians, uh, that's what they're facing. And that's what we face, right? Um, you know, we're always being catechized and taught by something. Are we aware of that? Sometimes we're not. And, and, and the secularism just continues to seep in. And there quickly we are, uh, we get a little blurry eyed to what our faith truly is by bullseyes, right? We're just kind of blurry eyed and we get kind of mixed up and it starts mixing up and, and, and our faith becomes totally different. And, and this is where St. Paul is saying, no, we, we can't just ease up and yield, right? This is for the sake of your livelihood. And I'm here to tell you that all these influential people, what? They make no difference, right? They might see, they might seem to have pull and, and people might listen to them, but they had nothing to what St. Paul had said because, um, well, because he, he teaches the true gospel, right? These, these Judaizers are teaching a false gospel. Now, again, um, as we see in verse four, false brothers. Now, in Greek, that's from the word, um, you know, Philadelphia. What, what does that mean, Philadelphia? City of brotherly love. Yeah, the phileo, love, Adelphos is brother. The party of the Pharisees. Yeah, yeah. So, so pseudo, so we see this false brother in the Greek, it's pseudo Adelphos. So, uh, when we talk about pseudo false or like, um, you know, when we have false teaching, when we have false brothers who are teaching these false things, what is the result of false things? In terms of salvation, if we're teaching a false salvation, what is the result? You could be wrong, going down the wrong road, you know, you know. You a know, false no. salvation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if we're teaching a false, uh, a, a false gospel, then, then we, we believe in no gospel at all, right? It's false. So when we speak of like... Uh, uh, the the world of Christianity today, and honestly speaking, and, and this is not not a time to to put down anyone, and it, it isn't. I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> I said, but but I don't. I know that conjunction makes it sound like I'm going to say something bad. But I think it's very concerning that rather than just saying, "Oh well, we might have our differences," we all believe in the same God, right? But when someone is teaching or believing something that is contrary to scripture, do we just say, what's the big deal? I mean, is that what St. Paul's doing here? It's like, you know, what's the big deal? I mean, you know, they want to add in some law here to say, you know, I, you know, you know they're still good people. You know, like God will still be happy with them. I, is this what St. Paul is doing? No. Can I read a footnote? Yeah. So it's on, on, Verse six is, uh, it is easy to rate people on the basis of their official status and to be intimidated by their power. Um, but Paul was not intimidated by those who seem to be important because all believers are equal in Christ. And he knew that. Uh, yeah, God shows yeah. no partiality, right? But, but Sheldon, I mean, any of you, like, this is the greatest tragedy when we see influences and the elemental spirits of the world or the philosophies of the world as saint paul says in one of his books i think it's first corinthians but all these philosophies and elemental spirits of the world they infiltrate the mind and the flesh and and i think it's easy to just kind of you know just say oh well you know they believe in god what's the big deal but what is at stake when someone starts believing something that is contrary or not even in the word of God, what, what is at stake? Is it a, is it a, what's a big deal? Like, no, there's salvation. salvation. So, so when we speak the truth, I mean, we're not speaking out of judgment, but we're speaking it out of love. St. Paul is doing the same thing here because he knows that if they fall to this, uh, uh, a law driven circumcision, you need to do the works of Moses or the law of Moses to be saved. They're going back into spiritual slavery and spiritual uh, uh, 
uh, suffering, and even, um, and even death, right? So this is a very important thing that, again, that though I think Sheldon said it, all these people of status have great influence. Now, I think for us and even uh, for the younger generations, like my own kids who are younger than Ryan, of course, um, I know Abe's going to drive in three years. Isn't that crazy? Oh, that means I pray more, right? Is that what it means when they? <laughs> oh no! But uh, uh, but you know they're facing a lot of these influences, and it's it's really important. And again, you know, um, I I I really encourage you to when you listen to even Christian things, right, on the radio or in a book, or or even in this Bible study to really check and see, is that true, right? Because again, uh, we see right here in our text that St. Paul does not relent. Why? Not because he wants to be rigid, right? It's because it's a, it's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of salvation and false salvation, the pseudo brothers, right? Pseudo brothers brings pseudo joy, pseudo hope, pseudo peace. It's no peace at all, even though it seems like peace. I mean, we live in a world, even in Christianity today, you turn on the news and what is happening in Christianity today, how many churches have done what? They've fallen and they publicly profess or confess that they don't believe in the inerrant scripture of the Lord. Now, where does that leave the people when that happens? A lot is at stake when the word of God isn't, uh, what's the word? Isn't held up to its truth. When we start picking and choosing and cookie-cuttering this potpourri theology, and, and there we find ourselves with these pseudo-brothers, pseudo-salvation, pseudo-forgiveness, right? You see how that all works. That's why he doesn't yield, because he knows what's at stake. Now, this is very important, because it says right here, uh, in verse, uh, uh, did we get to verse seven yet? Not yet. Not yet. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I'm like, no. Am I am I yelling again? Verse seven. Okay. Verse seven. If you can go. Anyone, if you could read that. Oh sure. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to to the Jews. All right. So. I had been entrusted. This is, this is from the, in the Greek, uh, this is from the, the, the passive, right? Let me check. Um, yes, I believe, yeah, this is from the passive, right? So when it comes, uh, when I say passive, that means not uh, something that he decided on, but Acts 9, right? He was called passively, like God called him, uh, 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 to be the chosen instrument in Acts chapter 9, right? So when we speak of, I have been entrusted, just like Peter, being sent by the Lord along with all the apostles uh, to preach to the circumcised, Paul to preach the gospel to the uncircumcised. Why is that important that I have been entrusted with the gospel? As I told you about the passive being given this command, not like saying, oh, I'm going to be a leader now and I'm going to do my own thing. But why is this important to, that I had been entrusted? What does that say about all his words? Authority. He has authority to save them. Authority from God. Good. Good. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, Pastor, we had three girls in one boy confirmed through Faith Lutheran Church. And the oldest of the girls went to college and she says the first thing they teach you is that God doesn't exist. You're, great point. Not great point, but, but professors, right? Teachers are of great... I mean, when kids go to college, the professors become, as Sheldon said, like they can become great influences on the kids, right? I mean, kids, students revere their professor as if everything they, they say. They have children that have been confirmed through the church. And the first day they step into the college, they try to twist their mind. Yeah. It's nuts. That's got to be, I don't even know. I, I don't even know. That's terrible. No, and again, you're right. You're right. You know, um, and, and that, that emphasizes the fact, Sheldon, that 
this true gospel, the word of God. Think of the capture ratio. The devil probably gets half of them back. It's nuts. Well, God knows. God knows, Sheldon. Know. You know, God knows. So, so anyways, uh, <laughs> as we continue here, I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised. So just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel, again, another, another passive, uh, because Peter is called, right? Uh, and he preaches to the circumcised. So this is the mission of God that they were to do, all given by, as given chosen servants. <laughs> to be the mouthpiece of God. Uh, verse 8, verse 8, if so could read that. I can do that. For he who effectively worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised effectively worked for me also to the Gentile. All right. So uh, what is so important here? What are the two words, the same word, that happens twice in this verse? What is very important about this? What are, what's the one word that happens twice that worked? Isn't it the word? Isn't it worked? I'm good. Work. Yeah, you're right. That shows up twice, doesn't it? That's right. So it's ongoing, ongoing, and yes, continuing. Okay. All right. So, so when we talk about worked, um, yes, they worked. Uh, but even more in that working, who is working? What word in that verse shows who is working or to which way? Can anyone? I know that's a weird question, but. I'd say God's God working through them. Through, right? Through, right? God work through me. Now, why is that important? We said it earlier. I think Don said it. But why is that so important? Because you're a vessel of God at that point? Yeah, I mean, he is saying the word of God. Yeah. Right. Again, it's got nothing to do with the people of high reputation. It's God working through Paul. Or Peter. Or Peter to deliver the message. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not a human norm. This is a... This is a God-given sending as God is working through them. Now, when, I, when we do confession and absolution at church on Sunday, the pastor uh, is simply the mouthpiece to God's word, right? Uh, those words of absolution are, uh, should be seen as if they were of God, not from the pastor, but in this office of the keys, the, the gift that God gives through the word, imparting you the forgiveness, that is the faith to which we trust in John 20, right? We trust the word of God when God speaks to us uh, through the sermon, uh, when God speaks to us through the sacrament, as he says, this is my body, this is my blood, right? So when we talk about, uh, like, let's say the pastor um, as well, you know, I think it's, it's uh, you know, when he says those words of absolution and all these things, it's, definitely uh, rooted in as mouthpieces of God and as God is working through that pastor. And I think that is what is so great about the Lutheran church, Missouri Synod, um, is that uh, pastors, um, we're just there, you know, doing, <laughs> you're not following the pastor per se. Does that make sense? Absolutely. God you're, you're is using you. God you're is following using you. You're not following the personality. You're not following his leadership style. You're not following anything of him, but simply you follow the word to which is preached, teached, and confessed, right? And this is all that we pastors do. And I think that a lot of times that's why we wear a uniform because uh, another guy will come in here, um, um, you know, somewhere down the line, I can't see, but in the midst, um, and he will wear the same uniform and he'll do the same thing I do. Because it's not about us. It's about how God is working through us, giving you that word, right? So I think that's so unique uh, from what I've been born into as a Christian. I was in Lutheran, you know, and I always thought it was about the pastor and, you know, all that he brought to the table. And, you know, he had to be a certain way and all these things. But no, we just, all we do is preach faithfully to God's word. That's all we, that's all we can do because this is all, this is what it's all about to set you free uh, by the Is there a better the job? I don't think so. <laughs> If you think about all the careers you know, in the world. Hey, even Sheldon, my, my car's having issues. My car's having issues right now. I could definitely, if I had met, these hands are so soft. 
that I can't even use a wrench, all right? So, you know, there are moments there where every vocation has its great value. Of and course, children. of course, but the greatest job of all is, is God working some, through somebody. It's, I'll yeah. tell you this, it's very humbling. Because at yeah, the end of the that's day... A good thing, because pride is a sin. I can't... Start getting prideful, Pastor, we're going to let you know. <laughs> well, I know you'll let me know, but I've, I've learned quickly in my short time as pastor, only nine years, I think, but that I can't fix people. I can't force people. Like, I can't move the pieces. I, I can't. I'm not a chess piece guy, right? I'm, that's, I'm too simple. I don't even know all the pieces on a chessboard and how they go. But the point is, is that God only works. His word goes out. And we trust in that very word to do the very thing that he promises to do. Isaiah 55, 11, right? Is that Isaiah 55? My word will not return void, right? And, and or I don't, yes, that is right. So uh, anyways, we, we, enough about that. Okay, uh, verse, uh, verse nine, verse nine. Someone can read that. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars gave me and Barabbas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. Right. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. Period. Right. right. So, so the apostles, Cephas is also known as, uh, from the, uh, also known as Peter, James and John pillars. What are pillars? Just in normal terms, pillars. They're just not sinking sand. Right. Well, yeah. Hierarchy of the okay in the church because they were apostles. So yes, they went back to the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Um. They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me. What does that mean? They uh, fellow Christians. Yeah, and they and they agreed that they should preach to the uh, Gentiles. The, the, I wouldn't say they gave them their blessings because, again, that's up to, to God, but they didn't um, dispute it or so argue what, it. what is St. Paul saying about, why is he saying this? What, what is he saying about his own mission to the uncircumcised, to the Gentile? What is he saying in this right-hand agreement? What is he implying here for the people? That he's taking that same gospel that the others are to the Gentiles. And he's quelling all the chatter, I might imagine, of what is this guy doing? He's doing his own thing, um, and he's working alone. He's making it clear that Peter supports his mission. And that support is very important because of that fellowship. Now, koinonia, what is fellowship? Uh, what is fellowship? What does that look like? Strength in numbers, right? Uh, okay, all right, getting there. But uh, uh, what is what is that fellowship? What, I mean, is it a fellowship group at church? Is that fellowship? Mutual support. <laughs> Mutual support, that's right. Yep. Uh, but in spiritual terms, uh, when we talk about fellowship here, what are they, what are they unified by? What they Christ. believe, the gospel. What they what believe. They believe. Okay, so, so when we speak of fellowship, is it because I get along with Dave and, and Sheldon and Ryan and Don and, and Cecil? Is that why we have fellowship? Because we all like no. baseball? Is that why we have fellowship? No. no, we all believe in the same faith and salvation through Jesus. So that, that, that unity is very important in terms of our fellowship. Fellowship cannot be found apart in this context from the word of God. If Cephas and uh, James and John were teaching a different gospel, and, or Paul was teaching a slightly different gospel, there would be no fellowship, right? So on Sunday, let's say, for example, when we do divine service setting four, uh, it says in the beginning of confession absolution, let us first confess our sins uh, before God and one another, um, and also that um, in the fellowship of this altar, as we break the bread, and, 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 um, and the wine, the body and blood of our Lord. Why is that fellowship so important in terms of the church? Strength in numbers. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I keep saying the same thing. 
Um, why is why is why is true church unity rooted in the correct view of fellowship or that why is it so important that we have fellowship in terms of uh true fellowship in terms uh, of how we equate that to our unity at church uh shows we're not divided maybe yeah you know we're not divided and we have oneness in god's word right that i think that's the beauty of the luther church you know in august i'm starting a a new um, online thing for the community. Uh, we're going to do this um, evangelism online thing uh, where uh, it's not about like advertising to come to church, but rather it's simply, uh, I'm going to pose a question with all the things that are happening in this world, where is God? And really, really get at the point of what people are searching for. Because at the end of the day, you know, when we speak of our unity, it's always going to be Jesus, right? It's, it's, it's our confession of faith as we confess the Apostles' Creed, uh, as we study and learn the one true faith, right? That's one of my jobs as a pastor, to teach people the faith, uh, the new people, to come into church. That's why uh, what I implore people to do is before they take communion, what do I do? I teach them, right? In the fellowship of this altar, right? To teach them to know what this is. Because at the end of the it's written that that you should do that because it can be actually dangerous to them to be taking the sacrament without knowing what it is it, it can actually destroy them first corinthians 11 right it's go. the most loving thing that we can do is teach them even though they say oh that's that can be the most cold thing that you can do to me pastor is that you won't but i i have to teach you first and, and we go from there so so anyways the, the for the sake of and you brought up a good point sheldon but for the sake of teaching, I think that is where we have that unity of fellowship. It's not a country club. Church is not a country club, right? Do you agree? It's not a social network where we just, you know, get our cup of coffee and say, how are you doing? You know, and that's great. We should do that, right? We should say hello to everyone. I'm not saying we should be cold. But my point is, is that our true fellowship is in the word of God and what it says. That is what our children church is built upon and that is christ mm -hmm. this is what he is saying right here that our agreement right hand agreement that, i mean this right hand agreement is a symbol um in the culture of this like ironclad agreement there is no like little loopholes or no slight differences this is a complete assurance that we are uh in fellowship with one another and um i think that's uh, you know, I, I think this is what St. Paul is trying to show them um, as he is to proceed. Okay, uh, verse 10. Verse 10, if someone could read that. Yeah, I'll get it. Um, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. All right. Yes. So, so right here, um, just like in Matthew 11, Matthew 11, uh, we see the context of, of St. John the Baptist imprisoned and he sends his disciples out to Jesus to see if he's the one. And he says something like the lepers are cleansed, the blind see, uh, the poor are preached the gospel or are preached the good news. And uh, St. Paul is doing the same thing. He is called to, to remember the poor and to help them spiritually and physically, if they're physically poor to help them, but also spiritually uh, to uh, for those who are spiritually impoverished, right? Uh, spiritual bankruptcy, uh, there he is to give the good news to them, right? So um, this is the call for St. Paul. Um, all right, continuing on. Uh, we'll do a couple more. We have uh, probably five minutes. Uh, verse 11 and following, so could read verse 11 to 13, if you could do that for me. Okay. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men uh, came from James, he used to eat for, with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid that those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. All right. So, so what is happening here? Does anyone have any idea 
uh, what is happening here. Why is Paul calling out Peter? What is the, what is the problem? What is the crisis? Paul is falling back on the Jewish law, perhaps Jewish custom, of not associating with Gentiles because they, Gentiles are unclean. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, but, but with Peter, you know, he, he was eating with them and they were, you know, definitely used to Peter. And this was something of what they were familiar with. But then, and you're right, Don, but when certain people came now, we don't know who these certain men are because it doesn't really say this is very vague in its description, even coming from James. I mean, that's, I mean, what does that mean? We really don't know exactly in a sense of the, you know, kind of the association and the connection to James. Uh, but what we do know is that when they came, what happened? What was Peter's reaction? It was peer pressure. Whoever, yeah. whoever they were, it was peer pressure. And it made his conviction of going to the Gentiles, it made him waver because he was concerned about how he looked to other people and also his prior training. And he had a lapse. He basically had a lapse and he, and he pulled himself back into a comfort zone. Yeah, so, so our actions actually convey more than our words, right? Right. I mean, on both sides. Uh, one, it's the, uh, you know, the, the Judaizers, and the other side is the Gentiles. And, and the Gentiles might think of what in this situation? As Peter just jumped ship real quick. What, what, what do you think they're thinking about their own faith? Yeah. Am I really going to be uh, accepted in this new new faith or am I going to be looked down upon or considered second class? That's right. Am I saved? I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, wait, am I saved? Are we, are we inferior? Uh, uh, Do we deserve this gospel? What what does this look like? I think a lot of questions would, would come up in someone's mind by someone's actions. And I think, again, we see in Peter how that action, I don't think he really thought it out clearly of what would happen um, just like, you know, uh, in the courtyard when Jesus was getting in and he says, I don't know this man, uh, Peter, he's still per- a person, right? He's still human and he's trying to save face, right? And even Barnabas, even Barnabas Much got squishy. Yeah. Even yeah. Barnabas was, was influenced by it. And that gets into peer pressure in general. Like, you know, um, not to digress into the internet, but where Ryan was, was talking about, I mean, there's so much pressure today with Twitter and some of these things, especially young people, that you can just get beat up on and persecuted by people you don't even know by expressing a belief. And, and that, you know, that's like a, the pressure they had times 10 in a way, because even though it's uh, maybe somebody you don't even know, you don't want to look bad. And then everybody starts piling in on you. And so there's tremendous social pressure to conform <clears throat> and to not have standards or, or, or uh, for people to express their Christian belief for fear of being ridiculed. There, and that happens in schools. I think that's schools and the internet and everything else. There's tremendous pressure. It's just like the narrow road versus the, the wide road. It's, 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 and by today's standards, we have no pressure at all compared to the early Christians, but, but we do have our pressures. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when, when, we, when we start to compromise, and, and that's the thing I think here, uh, when we start to waver in our convictions, it can definitely be a stumbling block to those around us. Does that make sense? Right. Uh, right. If, if, yeah, they think you're a hypocrite. They think we're a hypocrite. We say one thing, but yet we do another. Yeah, yeah, and and even in this case, you know, uh, you know, we believe in the true gospel. You know, we believe that Jesus saves us from our sin. But sometimes we might have self righteous talk that conveys that moralism and legalism, and we need to do something to be saved. It, it, it creates a very confusing message for people. So it's important that uh, even as a church, you know, I always say it. Uh, doctrine and practice are very important. What we believe, that's what we practice, right? Everything is implied 
of what we do is what we believe. Does that make sense? Like what we do is based on what we believe. And uh, it's very important that our confession of faith, as we see right here, that in the world, uh, we see Peter really kind of fleeing from, um, fleeing from the pressure of, of this compromise. And, and there, even sadly, Barnabas, the most, we, we talk about devout, um, he was led astray by their hypocrisy, right? So again, you know, when we, when we see our actions, and I think this is very important, is that, um, you know, when we do uh, do these actions, and though initially it's Peter trying to, you know, in the fear of the circumcision party, the Judaizers, um, a lot of other things are going on, especially with the Gentiles and Bar Barnabas, and the mixed message that even causes people to be led astray, right? So uh, again, you know, what's the greatest tragedy of this world is when the word of God is, is being taught falsely. And when people in that doctrine compromise and we see people believe it. And that is the tragedy, right? Um, that is so tragic. You know, verse that verse that says, uh, draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. What did everybody do? Pull their pants down and show they were circumcised or not? I don't get, how do you know if you're a circumcised group person or not? And who's to say if there was an uncircumcised person that was pretending to be a circumcised person? You know, what they, they'll walk around naked or something? Well, get that. well, that was the Jewish tradition for thousands of years. Well, they just knew. So if they, yeah, if they were if they were Jewish, that was assumed. Yeah, it was assumed. That was done. That was their custom. Thousands of years. If they said they were Jewish. Yeah, yeah. So it. I didn't know that was. Sheldon, that question was. I didn't. I wasn't prepared for that for a second there. It says it right there in black and white. It's like I don't know if you are. I wasn't prepared for that. But but yeah, you know, I think it's. Yeah, you know, I think what we talk about. Our, our, our word and practice, we see that uh, this has caused a great stumbling block to many people. And as a church, again, we got to stick to our word, right? Our doctrine and practice, um, there's so many ways in which that reveals itself in so many good ways, but also detrimental ways too, right? Uh, we could see countless examples of that in, out of Christianity today and how many people have just kind of Oh, anyways, I don't want to go there, but it's really important that it can cause a ripple effect to those around it, destroying people's faith, right? Even the Gentiles, uh, bringing them under that reality that, wait, maybe this gospel isn't for us. I mean, after all, St. Peter is fleeing us because, well, he's in fear of the circumcision party. Maybe we're not part. Uh, we're, we're not God's people. And, and this, again, you know, I think very important when Paul is trying to call out Peter because, uh, we'll close here, um, that conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. And that's key, right? Uh, in step, walking, you know, that whole picture of like walking in the faith, walking in his name. The, I think it's, um, we look at uh, verse, what was that? Uh, verse... What was that verse, verse uh, 11 wasn't it verse oh sorry verse uh verse 14 oh. yes um okay ortho oh so the feet okay so i saw that their feet were not in step okay so uh yeah so i again feet step direction lamp it to our feet this is what saint paul was calling out because once he started to uh, 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 when once he started to see Peter kind of get out of line, he knew that the truth of the gospel uh, was at stake, and that's where he had to say something, right? This was more of a what's the word? Uh, more of a uh, safeguard for the sake of the gospel and, and to uphold the gospel for what it is, because he knew that sometimes our actions can and our hypocrisy can bring a mixed message. 
So he, he is really trying to preserve the true gospel here. So anyways, um, as we look at this as a whole, I think it's a very important, some, some questions to ask yourself as we look at Galatians 2 right here as we conclude today is, is number one, um, uh, what is the question I have? <laughs> uh, does the word really matter? And that's a question I have for you to take home for yourself. Does the word really matter? The word is actually everything. I think we talked about that two weeks ago. Everything. Um, what happens when the word is compromised or taken for less? Is that something that we just concede to or do we stand up to? Stand up stand to up because to. if there's no absolute truth, then truth is just whatever Subjective. an individual Subjective. decides it's going to be. So if, if I was one of great legalism and I said, um, yes, Cecily, you're right. Jesus Christ died for my sins, but I still need to be a good person and, and live out my life in the name of the Lord so that I can be saved. Is that right? No, because you don't need to be. Then you're taking away and you're saying Christ did not do enough. What you want to say is not that you need to be. You, want, you need to say, I want to be, because of what Christ has done for me, I want to be the person who then does as much as I can that Jesus wants us to do. But that's an expression of how much we love Jesus. It's not that we have to do it in order for our salvation, but it's an outpouring of the love we feel for Jesus toward other people. If someone says, I believe in eight of the commandments, what is your reaction to that? I would just say God gave us the 10 commandments. And here, these you can't are the add ones. or subtract. He, yeah, he had the for giving us those commandments because he knows what things are going to hurt us in our faith life. And so if you look at each commandment and you say, okay, if you break this one, this is how it affects you. God knows that it's going to damage you. So these aren't just laws, but the commandments are given as an expression of God's love to keep us from destroying ourselves. You know, a good, good answer. When we say Jesus died for me, but I only believe in the eight commandments, is that the same? Is, no, that, is that the same? No, because think, if you believe Jesus is the son of God, then you are saying, too, that everything proceeds from God. And whatever God has asked us to do, then we are going to want to do that, if nothing else, just for thankfulness for his sending Jesus to be our savior. And I say that because, you know, we live in a world where people are starting to make their own God, right? Their own God of veiled under Christianity. It's become a very real, a real thing is we, we go relevant to the time and we're basically rewriting the Bible to what the culture is saying rather than what the word of God says, right? And when we say, what's the big difference? I believe in eight. You, Sheldon believes in nine. Don believes in 15. You know, um, what's, what's the difference? Uh, what's the difference? We all believe in the same Jesus, right? Uh, and again, you know, when we say the truth of the gospel, we're not being permissive to the word of God. We're not just saying it's only gospel and, you know, the Ten Commandments and all God has called us to do. That kind of just plays there. But no, I mean, it's, it's here for us. And I don't think you mess around with the Ten Commandments, but we all, I feel like most Christians evolve as a Christian. And you all know when you were a young man and you heard the story about the dude getting eaten by the whale, you're like, come on, please. Everybody did that. Every single person, man or woman, said, "Oh, I thought you meant eating my whale." You know what I'm saying, but, oh, but yes. then as you as you as you continue to, to get plugged into the Word and and you see all the miraculous things that God is trying to teach you through His Word, you know, it you believe it all. You really just it just you know God is what? is that guy. What? It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of submitting to the Word, right? And that that takes faith. That takes. Faith that is, is humble and, and uh, clearly is living under his word, right? Faith and trust in that very word. This now, is the yeah. same guy that breathed creation. So anything is Pretty much. Yeah. Right. That's right. 
And again, you know, you know, a lot of isn't that the most tragic thing is when Christians or even or just people in general just kind of take the word of God out of context or make the word for what they wanted to say according to their own narrative rather than what the context is and clearly what it is saying. Like uh, if they don't like the word, oh, that, you know, the Lord meant it in that time period, but it doesn't, he doesn't mean it for present day 2020. Right. Or, or I like that. So I'm going to believe that, but I don't like that. Uh, so I'm not going to believe that, but I know that Jesus died for me. Now, again, you know, this is where I, I think we need to talk about uh, the conduct being in step right? The life of faith is a life of submitting to God's word uh, in a sense of what his word is. And there we see it again in the law and ultimately what prevails now and forevermore is the gospel. So uh, anyways, um, it's getting late. It's the best part of being a Lutheran. It's the reason I've stayed that track is being a Lutheran. We don't add or subtract to the word. That's Sheldon, you know, I always needed a Sheldon in my life, and uh, <laughs> whatever dude. you're here, so <laughs> no, no you I'm all serious. are. That's why agreed. I go to Lutheran church? I I love the Lutheran church, and I love the pastor that preaches the word because it we don't add or subtract. It's awesome. It's all for the sake of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, right? That's all. Slavery or freedom. Oh, you're you're supposed to fear freedom. God too, so it's not smart to add or subtract either. <laughs> oh yeah i tremble every day when i preach sermons about that so anyways um all right why don't we close with a word of prayer why don't we close our dearly father we thank you for this evening uh for your word lord we know that we do we do like peter fall short lord please forgive us renew us and guide us always by your word and may we rest on the true gospel that you give through your son Lord, through all things, lead us by this gospel. Comfort and grant us peace through your word. Bless each and every one of us as we continue on with our week, as we rejoice in who we are as a children, redeemed by your son's precious blood. Lord, for all these things we are thankful. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor.